Today's guest is my friend Nate Heat. I met him while we were working at PetSmart many moons ago, and our lives have had similar parallels since we left PetSmart. He's uh, married with two kids, he's into D&D, and I thought, man, this would be a great episode to just to chat about our love for Dungeons and Dragons and uh, just about being a dad. One of the things I've always cherished about Nate is that he's like extremely genuine with who he is and just, man, he's such a nice guy. I just, I love chatting with him because he is uh, very humble, uh, very kind, and uh, just really well-spoken about his love for Dungeons and Dragons. If you are watching this on YouTube, don't forget to hit that subscribe and like button. Two things that don't cost you anything that help my channel grow. I really enjoyed talking to Nate, and I'm really excited to share our conversation about the love of Dungeons and Dragons. Nate, we worked together. How many years has it been? Was it 2012 when you worked at PetSmart? 20. I worked at PetSmart from 2012 to middle of 2014. Wow, that yeah. long I've known you for oh, 10 years now. Yeah, 10 years now. Dude, that's wild, huh? It is. It is. And what's more wild to me is not that we've known each other for 10 years. It's that there's like a six, seven year gap in the middle there. Where I don't think we talked at all, except for like the occasional like of a post on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? And then y'all, you know, what was that? Like a year and a half ago, kind of started reconnecting a bit and just yeah, over our love of D and D and our life has had like very similar parallels. Like I think mm -hmm. you and Rachel got married. Uh, when did you guys get married? Twenty fourteen. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like five four or five years before Brittany and i got married yep. and then uh when did you guys have your first daughter 2020 february of 2020 just before everything hit the fan yes yep. okay that's her and ashen are closer in age than i thought i thought she was a year old i thought it was 2019 no no how, how old is ashen now april 2020 okay so yeah that was like i remember Brittany was in uh we were in the car mm -hmm. about to park to st joe's and they were going through the questionnaire like do you have uh, a fever right now? No, we don't have a fever. Okay, I'm just going to click no. Um, do any of you guys experience any flu-like symptoms? And Brittany's in the seat going, <laughs> get me in this hospital. <laughs> we weren't even sure if I was going to be able to be there, to be honest. Yeah. We, were, we were worried that we're, I wasn't going to be able to participate in the whole yeah, thing. We have uh, good friends. They, uh, they had a kid about a month and a half after us, and they had a very different experience because – Everything had hit the oh, fan. Yeah, man. we, relatively speaking, had a normal experience. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, only for us, like, we, uh, I was able to be there, mm -hmm. and I didn't, I didn't have to wear a mask when we were inside the delivery room. Okay. But anywhere else we had to. Um, okay, yeah. And we couldn't have visitors. That was, that was kind of strange. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. It was kind of. It sounds terrible to say, but it was kind of nice because Brittany and I's lives are so busy that yeah. like COVID like kind of forced us to slow down mm -hmm. and like we were by ourselves for weeks at a time. We couldn't do anything. No jujitsu, no yeah. uh, dance, you know, forced mm -hmm. everything for us to finally come to a halt and enjoy the moment, you know? 
Yeah, we had uh, we had like a couple weeks of the normal step back a little bit, right? Just enjoyed, right? The three of us at the time. I have a second second kid now, and the three of us just kind of had that quiet time, and we had like a week or two where people were visiting a little bit more regularly to see the baby, and then everything just shut down. Yeah, and they'd wave high through the glass door, and it was like we were in a zoo, and they were looking in. That wild. Yeah, I'm sure you had a similar experience of people coming yeah. up to the door and waving through the glass. Yeah, I think uh, we had Ashton like the week before Easter, okay. I think, or it was like relatively soon. So everybody was just driving past our house and would, we were like holding him up in the window like Simba, like to, yep. the, to the Savannah. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we did the same thing over Zoom because my family, my wife's family is a little bit more spread out and people couldn't get to us before um so we did easter over zoom and it was just holding up the baby over zoom and it's like you know two months old pile of mush they don't do anything except sleep and cry yep. which you're very familiar with right now aren't you yeah yeah for sure for sure right now ivy just uh all she wants to do is just eat mm -hmm. poop or mm -hmm. be held there's literally like the three things yeah. you also you kind of forget how like i know this sounds like how easy not uh, like we're tired like we don't sleep but like relatively easy compared to ashton because mm. like yeah. he's go 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 the second he wakes up he is like go 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 play 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 outside mm -hmm. outside play-doh mm -hmm. play-doh color and then the baby is just like i just want milk the, dude the, the babies <laughs> have needs they don't have wants right so like yeah. my my three-year-old has things she really, really wants and has a lot of big feelings. I have a one-year-old. She just wants food. Yeah. Like yep. she doesn't, she hasn't developed that yet. So on, on one hand, it is easier. Not that it's easy, but it's right. a little easier. Wow. She's one already, huh? Almost. Yeah. Middle of July. Dang. That's crazy, man. Time flies. It's like, uh, my friend Dennis says, uh, the days are long, but the years are short. I was like, mm -hmm. dang. Hit that like hit the nail on the head for me. Yeah, um, good wisdom there. Yeah, when did you uh, when did you get into D and D? Because I feel like that like that whole thing like reignited our friendship again. Yeah, uh, I kind of had a loose interest in wanting to play for a bit. A buddy of mine uh, who actually finally got me to play. He played in college and you know talked about it on the periphery in uh, April of 2020. That's so funny. Um, yep. And it was, you know, me, uh, my best friend, Matt, his younger brother, Mark, and then uh, his younger brother's best friend. And the four of us uh, just started playing together. And, you know, we've had one or two people, you know, friends who have popped in for a guest appearance or a short arc, but it's really just the four of us. Um, wow. That's about, cool, man. About three years now. Yeah. Three years running. It's the same with Dennis, Mike, and I. Like, I started because Dennis got us into it when huh? I really think it was like May when we started, because we were like, Dennis texted us and he's like, I need to play D and D and I want to hang out with you guys. Will you yeah. learn how to play D and D? Yeah. And Mike and I played once before, okay. uh, but I just, I don't know. It didn't like click for us at first. Like mm -hmm. we weren't like in love with it. Mm -hmm. And then um, when we played with Dennis online, I don't know what it was. I don't know. Maybe because, our table's only three people. It's me and Mike that playing and Dennis who DMs. Yeah. So maybe a little more intimate rather than like a large party was kind of kind of our thing. Yeah. It's how many people are at your table? There's four. Oh, so it's still considered a smaller yeah. party. There's a there was a good chunk of time where it was really just three people. So I was DMing and I had two players, and that was that was it for a while. Uh, and then the the fourth 
fourth member was able to, you know, kind of get into a schedule, their life settled down a little bit, and they were able to make it more routine. Um, but yeah, I, I like the smaller party size. And for what you said, it, it's intimate. Like, yeah. So I've known Matt and Mark for forever, right? Matt and I have been best friends since second grade, best man in my wedding, you know, thick as thieves. His little brother has been right there the whole time too, right? So he's like another little brother to me. Yeah. And, you know, Kevin is my best friend's little brother's best friend, right? So like, yeah, we kind of saw each other, but now like he's one of my closest friends. Yeah. Because once a week we hop online for about two hours and for the first like 10, 15 minutes, we just kind of like talk about life and how things catch are up. Going. Yeah. Catch yeah. up a bit. And then, uh, then it's game time. And, yeah. Uh, you guys play on roll 20? We do. Yep. Oh, nice. Okay. Cause some people play on D and D beyond or they'll play like discord and like mm. we, i love roll 20 for the convenience of like being able to upload a map and like have yeah. custom tokens and stuff like that yep we uh we started about six months ago uh there's a chrome extension uh beyond 20 and you oh. can click your character sheet in dnd beyond and, and pump it over um really yeah which is really nice uh, i've got a couple of people i'm actually going to be introducing to dnd uh partially you know we're going to start online uh, see where it goes, but being able to walk people through the character sheet yeah. and then have it show up because it's just so many rules. Yeah. So many rules. I know. I know. And that's what I think a lot of people get uh, like inundated with. Like it kind of turns them off. Like even my my mother-in-law, when I told her that I was playing Dungeons & Dragons, she's like, that game has a lot of rules, doesn't it? I'm like, yeah, but you don't use half of them. Right. Right. Like you only use what's applicable in the moment. Yeah. And, it, and, you know, it's also like this is a misconception I had um, that I had to use, you know, all the rules. I had to know them to be able to play. Yeah, same. It's like right in the beginning of the rule book. The most important rule is to have fun. Mm -hmm. And if it makes sense to do it, whether the rules allow it or not, who cares? Yeah. Right? It's like it's a pirate's code. It's just it's a framework for collaborative storytelling. Right. And I, I thought going into it that I had to know everything. So I like was reading and trying to study and get everything right. Um, yeah. That's funny you said that. Cause like when Dennis had us start to play and like we were making our characters, I went like, I was watching every YouTube video. It was also during COVID like lockdown. So like I had nothing but to con like time <laughs> to consume all of this stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. I was just reading and diving into all of these rules and trying to know like every piece. And Dennis was like, dude, chill. It's mm -hmm. a, just make your character for right now. And we'll yep. deal with the rules as, as they come. It doesn't yeah. have to be, this giant like absorption of all all the knowledge yeah. when you had first played with your friends did they uh play something like from source material or was it like a homebrewed adventure it was uh it was a homebrew adventure was my my first foray in so the friend matt who introduced me to DD &D, he ran basically two short campaigns in you know one right after the other and kind of like a, all right we're gonna go through for a couple months and kind of you'll learn the ropes a little bit and kind of learn how to play is how he designed the, the adventure for us. And then said, all right, now that you know how to play a little bit, we've walked through it. Let's, let's take off the training wheels a little bit and yeah. uh, step into something else. Man. It's, it's nice that you had like a great DM and a friend that you were like comfortable with getting into this game because yeah. there's people who just jump in with strangers. and I give them so much credit because I don't think I could do that, dude. No, it's tough. Cause like you, Part of the game is that I really enjoy the role-playing aspect of the game. 
Yeah. Um, right. I, I live for the drama of it all. And, <laughs> you know, like it's it's tough to get comfortable enough to do that with mm-hmm. with people. Like making you know making a character that has flaws that you as an individual do or the same fears mm-hmm. and kind of I really like something about D&D is that you can explore those things in a very controlled and safe environment. Um, you know, like we all, we all have questions like, what if my life was different, right? What right. if, um, I don't know if you're a, a very patient person, what if I'm not patient, right? Like what would that look like for me? What if I was, you know, maybe I'm not physically fit. What if I was really strong, right? You can kind of explore these aspects of you know how you perceive yourself or how you want to be perceived um and that's something i think is really cool about the game because where else can you do that right you can't change yourself but you can inject yourself into a character that exhibits something you like or that you don't like about yourself or the world around you yeah and that's like and it's really hard to do especially when you like if you're a a small weak you self-perceive yourself as small weak person and then you have to play a big strong muscular hero it's hard to do right it's like you have to think outside the box which makes it like super difficult you know yeah what 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 type of character do you gravitate towards i'm curious like what do you what do you tend to play see i've always like i've always loved rpgs and mmo rpgs and action rp like any role-playing fantasy game i was always about and i always gravitated towards i loved like honestly the paladin class is like one of my favorites was the first one i played but honestly it's because when i was playing world of warcraft all the time i loved my paladin because they were tanky they could cast spells and they could heal right you could do everything right that's that's what i loved world of warcraft i played that for a while too and i love playing paladin and that was did you say that was your first D character was a paladin yeah, my first D&D character. Yeah, it was a Paladin. It was mine too. Was it really? Yeah. God, I miss it so much because now, like, we played, um, we started with the starter kit, which was, like, played through Fandolin. So good. And it was so, yeah, so much fun. And uh, and then we transitioned um, to, uh, wow, the name escapes me. Um, Tyranny of Dragons was the second part. Okay, yep. Um, but now I can't remember. I'm blanking out. Well, you got a nice collection back there. Yeah, I'm not trying to flex on you, but I'm just trying to. I'm hoping that it would jog my memory what what we went to. No, it's there. okay, flex, flex. It's okay, flex. Um, and I played a paladin, mm-hmm. and then um, now we're playing Curse of Strahd, mm. and I was like, I want to play something that will force me out of my comfort zone. Uh, so I went like a warlock, and okay. he sucks with this like i no i don't say suck like it's just a a crazy different contrast because dude my paladin had an armor class of 23 when we finished that game my armor class for my warlock is 13 so a good sneeze or a fart does at least four points of damage (laughs) i bet you feel like you have to think a lot more when you play the game yeah i know and that's what that's kind of what i uh appreciated so like whenever i'm playing like an RPG. I've always appreciated the characters that can like do a little tankiness, do a little, I, I like to dabble. I like mm-hmm. to dabble in it all, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. when you made your paladin, did you like build him as a tank or more like support? I built him uh, more as a tank. Yeah. 
because that's kind of what I gravitate towards towards uh, and you know MMORPGs. That's that's what I go towards is the tankier character that's got a little bit of a little bit of support built in. Yeah, that's that. I felt like it was going to be important too because it was just Mike and I playing. Like we had nobody. He wanted to go. He wanted to play a wizard so bad, and I was like, "Well, if you go wizard, I feel like we need someone to tank some of the damage." Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "If I just go fighter, we're not going to have much like healing crap." Even though it's like you don't have to think MMO in terms of D and D because now we're playing Curse of Strahd, and I'm a warlock, and he uh, is a bard. So it's like okay. it doesn't have to like always be tank healer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know. Um now are you still currently playing a homebrew adventure? Yeah, so right now so we um I ran a campaign for a while which started as the starter set and then morphed into homebrew. Uh that ended Dude, the, camp the campaign. I love that. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it and uh passed the torch on uh to someone else or if they've been if, I came campaigns about to wrap up actually middle of July. We're doing our finale session. We're, uh, we've been playing about a year and a half and it's all homebrew. And we, wow. um, I know if you're familiar with the adventure zone at all, dude, I love the adventure zone. Oh, I wish yeah. I had my shirt on right now. For so, the adventure yeah. zone. so we, we basically just ripped off something they did to start off the campaign. We came up with the name of a city together. Um, and that was kind of a fun, fun little, game essentially we played just come up with a name and then took turns drawing a basic map and split it in four pieces and each of us got to describe a quadrant of the city so we built the city we play in together that's and cool we've only left the city like two times three times in a year and a half wow um, really yeah it's all just in one it's all been in one city that and is very, cool and it's it was really cool because the campaign i ran was your very I'll call it generic, right? Save the world type heroic arc. And my buddy Kevin wanted to really scale that down. Um, and so it's just, it's just the city. And some of it's kind of mundane, you know, smaller problems. Other things are a little bit bigger, but it's very centralized location. Um, Dang. Did and, you guys, like Ethersea, when they did that, that was the campaign that they like built together. Yeah. And I think it was a, a, there is a system they used. It's like an online yeah. system. Did you use that system? No, we did a very modified light version. Of that. They've used a, a game called The Quiet Year, which is like you you describe a city together and then you draw cards and it like you kind of narrate what's happening to the city and you take turns, you know, role playing essentially how the people of the city would respond. So they did like a full on game system. We just kind of threw something together. Um, yeah. took inspiration from what they did that's pretty cool that and that's what i like about this game is you can take like bits yeah. of inspiration that honestly i the the last uh dungeon donations we did when I, we did it in the mm -hmm. auction house yeah that i i got from ethersea because they did a whole thing at the auction and i was like i would love to run a game in the setting of an auction that sounds so freaking cool great yeah and that, yeah. And that was that was the the child of listening to that podcast where i was like mm -hmm. i wonder how we could tweet that to kind of make adjustments for ourselves yeah. you know when you homebrewed your adventure though you didn't do that process no Nope. No, Started with you. A, I give you so much props for doing a homebrew campaign. So I, I started with Lost Minds and we finished that up. We got towards the end and I just kind of asked like, where do you guys want this to go? Like, do you want this to wrap up? Do you want to use this as a chance to change characters? 
you know, there's some threads that the starter set puts out for you to explore if you want. Um, and I kind of interjected my own stuff along the way and they wanted to run with it. So I just ran with it and I made it all up on the fly. It was really, you did was, you, okay. So what amount of planning did you do? Because when I did the auction house, I think I did too much planning. Yeah. You know, I did too much planning for things that didn't matter and not enough planning for things that did. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so I know right, about myself, I'm not a, a details oriented person. So I really tried to focus on details in my campaign planning and then forgot big picture stuff. <laughs> so like you planned it out, like this was the big, bad, evil guy. And I know that they have to get to this guy and, and finish him. Was that like how you set up the homebrew up? No, I wish I had, I didn't know how the campaign was going to end. Um, or even who the main villain was until, um, and it was like a th not a throwaway session, but it was like the last 20 minutes of a session and someone did something stupid and got, um, you know, they got like detained by the guards of the city. And I named like a wizard who them as part of their patrol. And they're like, we hate that guy because he put our friend in jail. And I said, great. He's the main bad guy now. That's awesome. I love yeah. that you did that. And I just kind of ran with it. That is so cool. Dude, I you got a set of balls on you to do that. Like I a homebrewed campaign entirely makes me extremely extremely nervous. Like an, a year long campaign to have to come up with stuff like that on the fly. Lot. It was a lot. Yeah, for but sure, it right? Was a like lot of fun. It was a really good learning experience, you know, and my my friends were patient with me. What do you think you did really well when you were building that? What'd you say? What do you think that you did really well when you, when you were homebrewing? Mm. Um, I think that I did a good job giving all of the characters a reason to want to go forward. Mm. Right. So, um, you know, whether it was something from their character backstory or just something that, you know, I could tell resonated uh, with, with different people as we went on, like, you know, something I might not think would interest them. And then they suddenly, you know, they perk up a little bit, right. It's looking for that body language. Um, and then just kind of leaning into, leaning into it, leaning into the questions and just letting, hmm, I'm going to, I'm going to change my answer. I think I did a good job letting them lead the story is what it really boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so relinquishing control, which is not something I'm always good at. Right. Um, it's tough. It is. And, but, but it is a collaborative storytelling. It's not, you know, the dungeon master sitting there and saying, this is what you're going to do. It's, Hey, here's a problem. I don't necessarily have to know the solution to this problem. How do you want right. to go about it? And that's what I, that's what I, when someone tells me they homebrewed a campaign, I immediately think I'm like, Oh, I hope the DM was like, flexible and a loud breathing room for the story. Cause mm -hmm. like I've, I've heard horror stories of people playing a homebrewed campaign where it was like the DM had an idea of what was going to happen and it had to happen no matter what, yeah. you know, and that can end up railroading a whole thing mm -hmm. because like I'm asking you about your homebrew because like Dennis and Mike we're we're almost finished with curse of straw. We, okay. we are probably going to finish like end of summer. Yeah. And um, what we usually do is like Dennis loves the DM the the larger campaigns and then okay. we take a break after the campaign's over 
-hmm. Dennis, uh, Mike will run something and then I will run something and it could be like a month long adventure. It could be a couple one shots. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm thinking of doing a home brewed one month long thing where I only think of the setting, Mm -hmm. the overall goal, and then just like literally thinking of crap on the fly, like having nothing prepared and seeing how that goes, because that's a safe space for me to try that stuff. You know what I mean? That's like a lot of fun, but, but challenging. It's super challenging, dude. Like, were you, did you have like enemies and bad guys like pulled up ready for that session? Or were you just like, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I usually had an idea of what was going to happen. Uh, they surprised me a lot, but I usually had some idea and I had, you know, a pre-planned encounter or some enemies, you know, set aside. But, um, you know, starting D&D, which is something very fluid and flexible by design, um, right when I had, right when the world went into lockdown and I had my first kid, was like the perfect storm of, just having to let go of control. Like, yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm a very process-driven person. That's what I have to follow, very strict processes uh, for what I do for work. So, you know, stepping into something that's very rules-heavy and then being like, well, I don't have to follow the rules is a strange space for me to be in. Yeah. Um, so you're trying to that, marinate in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But it's at a, you know, at a time in my life where everything was in flux anyway, so just go with it. Yeah, right, right. That's cool. Has there been like a, is there like an adventure that's pre-written that you've heard about that you've always wanted to like partake in or or run yourself? Icewind Dale. Icewind Dale, dude. Yep. <laughs> I, I bought this uh, in probably late 2020 when I was uh, getting ready to start my own, uh, my own homebrew. Sorry, my books are all falling over now. Um, no, you're right. <laughs> uh, I was getting ready to start my own homebrew. And I was like, oh, this looks cool. It's a, uh, you know, kind of a man versus nature story that deals a lot with isolation and happened to come out in the middle of uh, lockdown and just kind of picked it up to, to read it. And then uh, I've kind of been keeping that in my back pocket for whatever I run next, whenever that is. Um, plan on running the, running my group through that. Nice. That's cool. That's, I literally said Sunday because we were, where Dennis brought up, he's like, you know, we're going to be coming to a head here soon. Mm-hmm. So start thinking now, like what you guys want to do, what adventures that you guys want to run. And I said to Dennis, I was like, there's one adventure that I flipped through the beginning portion. Mm-hmm. I would love to run a campaign for, but I think if we do it, it's going to take us like a year, year and a half to finish. Yeah. And it was Icewind Dale. It's so funny that you pulled that out of the, out of your <laughs> shelf, dude, because I was like, I was looking at it. I loved like you said, I love that it was like about isolation. It came out at like a really good time. If mm-hmm. you're like the COVID timing with, with everything being in isolation, but I just loved, it felt very sandboxy to me, mm-hmm. which is what uh curse of straw is. Curse of straw is very sandboxy too. Like yeah. the players can do whatever yeah. they want in, yeah. in this world. Um That's cool, dude. That's so funny. You pulled out ice one Cause I literally was just talking to them this Sunday about that. Now, do you um, tend to do you tend to gravitate towards stuff that's more open ended? I I like the I like the idea of sandboxy, mm-hmm. where you kind of can explore. But like what Curse of Straw does, they do a good job of like giving the players a task, like right in the beginning of the adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you basically get a, a fortune teller who yeah. gives you kind of your objectives if you want to get to Strahd and end Strahd. Or like players don't have to do any of that and they just go right to Strahd and, and try to take them down, yeah. which is what, what I love. You know, I felt like we did Tyranny of Dragons and that's not so sandboxy. It seemed like we had a clear goal and objective constantly when we were yeah. playing that, uh, that campaign. Hmm. Um, so like sandboxy explorey, like that, yeah. that's my jam, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Now is that your jam outside of D and D as well? Or do you like more structure outside of D and D? Uh, like I think why I gravitate towards like MMOs was like the fact that, you could there was so much you could do like world of warcraft there was just so much like you could quest you could do pvp like same with uh i played guild wars 2 for a long time too it was like i played wow for a long time mm -hmm. and then i cut my cord from wow and got deep into guild wars 2 okay but it's because of the world exploration and mm -hmm. how like cool it is to do different things but in my real estate world dude i kind of like things like like in line yep. a structured process. I just, uh, I don't know. I think I can just appreciate like letting go and being like, I don't know, let's spend time exploring this part of the map. I don't know. This looks yeah. cool. You know, just wandering aimlessly. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. what the curse of Strahd kind of like lets the players stretch their legs a little bit and gives them that opportunity, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so I'm trying to think I got another, what uh, we are, I already said, what was your first class? Was a paladin. Paladin, yep. Uh, what class have you wanted to play? You just haven't had a chance yet. Ooh, um, hmm. I've got, I've gotten through most of the ones I've wanted to try. Um, I haven't tried Warlock yet, and it is in the next campaign that we're going to be starting in about a month and a half, two months. Um, that is the class I'm going to play. So. I'm, I'm Who's going to DM that? What'd you say? Who's going to DM that? Who's going to run it? Uh, the only person who hasn't DM'd a uh, game in the group yet, uh, Mark, he's going to. Nice. So we, we're, we're basically going around in a circle, all taking turns. I love that. Uh, which is love nice, that. passing the torch a little bit. You get to, you know, it's not just one person tell, you know, DMing. It's the difference in the variation of, oh, it's this combination of players. Yeah. Um, you feel you a different style. Yeah, very much so. I, uh, I've, I've always said when when Mike DMs for us, I feel like I'm in an anime okay. and I just think like it's the way he describes and he like sets the mood where like Dennis is like more of like a cinematic Game of Thrones ask mm -hmm. and neither one of them is better or worse. I just love how it's like there's different styles to how people run games. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. It's like those minor details of how you describe and set up a scene that can like really set the tone and flavor mm -hmm. you know yeah, it's it's the same game system but every story is wholly unique even if you're telling the same story you're using the same source material to tell it yeah um, just because of the inherent difference of what you just said how people tell a story or engage in a story yeah and that's yeah. that's the one of the freaking coolest things about DD is like you guys could play Icewind Dale and mm -hmm. literally go through the entire book and your adventure is going to be totally different than the way Mike Dennis and I play through it. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. It's like you never end up having the same experience. There might be the same story beats, maybe the right. same character once or twice, mm -hmm. but it's the way that it could go is like completely different, you know? Um, 
Oh, going back to you said you haven't played a warlock. Yeah. I advise you, there is apps. You only get two spell slots. Mm -hmm. You have to take short rest all the time if you want to start throwing lots of spells. Take a nap. Take a nap. I know exactly. You just got to constantly take a nap. Um, but they're, they're they are a lot of fun. It's a challenging spell cast uh, class to play, mm -hmm. but it's very rewarding. I'm playing a genie warlock. Uh, um, this is this is uncanny. That is my next character is a is a genie warlock. Is it? Yes, dude. Uh, I forgot I what a genasi, a water genasi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, because again, um, I think the. I was like tempted to play like a fear bulk because of mm -hmm. Justin and in, in uh, adventure zone. Yep. But I was like, I don't know. Like being, being a genie from another plane universe sounds dope. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Are you going to do a warlock too? That'd be amazing. Yeah, I, I am. I'm doing a, uh, a dragonborn warlock. Dude, yes. that is sick. A dragonborn warlock. Yep. Yep. Uh, Thelonious Rex, and yes, I named my <laughs> Dragonborn T-Rex. Yes, I love uh, that. Flip the joke, and we'll see how how many minutes it takes my group to figure out what I did. Because I love that. I love that. that right away. When um, yeah. when I DM'd, uh, I remember not having names for a couple characters mm -hmm. and having to make them up on the spot, and that's how we got Mister Dimples <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, from uh, the last thing. It was just a. Uh, I forget what it was. I think I had a picture of Ashton on like my desk and mm -hmm. he just had a dimple in his chin. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah. I'm just like, you just try to search for these names in your head and you end up coming up with something on the fly that always is just like comical and really funny. Yeah, what, what's, the, what's the worst NPC name you've come up with? Oh my God. That's a great question. The worst? I don't know. There's like, there's been like some terrible ones, but the one that I got the most last was Mr. Dimples was because like, they all thought it was gonna be like Mr. Jones or something. And I just yeah. said dimples for a, a hippo and it, they just, it freaking cracked him up. Uh, I don't know. Like I've, I've had a lot of fun, like voicing funny characters, but their names don't stick. Like doing like a Joe Pesci voice or, yeah. You know, like, or just like your worst accent ever. <laughs> like, yeah. those are a lot of fun. But it's like, when you have a lot of NPCs you have to keep track of, mm -hmm. you have to, like, be articulate with your nose. Because then it'll be like, hey, he had a southern accent. Why is he yeah, blind? Right. <laughs> and they'll remember, and you won't. And you're like, uh, uh they shit. definitely did take notes <laughs> yeah. on your own creation. <laughs> Nate, how, how have you gotten better at dming because i i know who you are as a person and i feel like you are looking at others and source material to help you uh storytell when you run games yeah um definitely had plenty of room for improvement so we, worst npc name the very first npc i had to name was a goblin that the group was questioning after an ambush and uh <laughs> i was looking like said what's his name the dreaded question and like it's only one person i had no other npcs to keep track of and directly in front of me was a bowl of soup and i named the goblin soup and it stuck <laughs> and so starting that low there's a lot of room to go up okay. <laughs> i uh i mentioned i, I listened to uh, the adventure zone um i've listened to some uh dimension 20 with brendan lee mulligan who is yeah. a fantastic storyteller and um uh, a lot of critical role with matt mercer 
very different styles, those three, those three yeah. collections. I can't so, get into Critical Role. I've like listened to a few episodes. I just, I don't know. I can't, I can't dive into it, but mm. Matt Mercer is one of the goat goats. Yeah, of he, he is very much, he is very long. I'll say long-winded. I'll call it long-winded. He says long-winded descriptions, but that are very immersive. So the players, you know, you feel, they feel like they're there. And he mm. takes a lot of time setting that up to make it immersive. Brendan Mulligan is like, I mean, he comes from an improv comedy background. Uh, so he, it, it's like a screenplay, the way it bounces back and forth and the setting is more loosey goosey. Um, yep. so trying to find like a, a balance of what I like, what works for me, what doesn't work for me. Um, you know, I, I've been really into lately, uh, it's also Riley Mulligan, but worlds beyond number, which is, yeah. uh, I don't know if you've listened to that at all. So good. It, it is. And it's like, it's a masterclass in storytelling mm-hmm. because the first like two episodes, he talks as much or less than each of the players. Yeah. Um, which is which is really cool. So just I try to steal from the best of them. Yeah. Uh, Worlds Beyond Number uh got me to literally cry on a I had a long drive back from uh showing. I think I, I did like a showing that was like an hour away and on my way back. I was like, thank God I didn't listen to this on the showing. I'd be like, my eyes would have been red and like swollen. But like, I was literally crying listening to uh, Abrea like describe her character. Oh no, uh, Erica Ishii uh, describe her character's loss that she dealt with. No spoiler alerts, but she, I was like crying because it was so good. And like, they're so good at role playing and Brennan just rolling with it. Yeah. Like, he just like, the inflections in his voice and the way that he tells the story. Mm-hmm. God, he's for me, he's the goat. I think he's better than Matt Mercer. And I know I'm going to get some shit for that, but yeah, that's, that's your opinion. I, they're just, they're, they're very different. To me. Yeah. They all have different styles. Yep. How have you like crafted yours? Is it just like trying to take those bits and pieces from others? Yeah. So I, I have tried to, um, lean a bit towards more actually uh, Bria Ingar, who is more like, you know, she's played with both of Matt, Matt and Brennan um, at their table. She's DM'd for both of them too. And her, her games are more like a conversation. So she, she has this really cool way of taking what people are saying, either describing their character or just the words their character is saying and letting that just flow into action around them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Which is hard really, to do especially yeah. on the fly. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. It's very unique from, from anything else I've heard. Um, and so just trying to soak that in a bit and, you know, play around with it. Right. Cause it's, it's a safe space to do those things. There's no, right. You don't win D and D, which is mm-hmm. a misconception I definitely had other than, you know, there's a million rules and you have to know all of them. There are a million rules, but you need to know one, have fun. Um, and, yeah. and I thought you, there was a way to win. There isn't right. I that's I was going into this when I started as if it was a video game where I was like, all right, how do I win? How do I beat the system? How can I grind the most EXP yep. and level up? Yep. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, if your character dies, that's it. Right. I mean, it can be if that's the way your, your world works, but um, yeah, I, I definitely thought that it was like something you could win. Yeah. Um, and very quickly realized like, Oh no, this is not something you win. This is something that you you experience, and failure is an integral part of the game. Um, mm-hmm. 
which is, you know, it's not like a video game, right? You don't play any video games and right, like Dark Souls, you expect to die, right? But dying yeah. isn't dying isn't a core mechanic that moves the story forward. Mm-hmm. In in D and D, have any of your characters died? Yeah, I just oh. had we, we just had a first character death. I was going to ask you, have you ever really? had a character death at the table? We came really close. Like I was on literally like my last death saving throw with uh with Ragnar, my paladin, in our first yeah. campaign. And uh, my warlock's gotten downed a couple times, but never like that moment. In one of the best moments in our campaign is when we did Tyranny of Dragons, where the idea is you slay Tiamat, the five-headed dragon that the cult of the dragon is is spawning from hell. They're opening the floodgates, and Tiamat rises, and it's this epic battle of fighting and trying to bring Tiamat back down to hell. And it was like literally down to the wire. I almost died. Final boss. Mm. I was going to be written in the storyboards as a hero to never play again. Yeah. But somehow I pulled through and it was, uh, it's weird how it like, when you tell this story of the adventures that you play, mm-hmm. it's like, as if it actually happened to you. Does that sound weird? Like every yeah. time I'm talking about it, I'm like, this happened to me. Yeah. I, I know <laughs> what you mean. And, and part of it is like you said, you know, when you play a campaign that's like a year, a year and a half, two years, yeah. right? That you you get familiar with that character. And you grow so attached to them. You do. Yeah. And like yeah. it's like uh like Game of Thrones. Like you grow attached to a character and then mm-hmm. suddenly they're ripped from you. You're like, oh. Yeah. yeah. It was Got it was it. tough. I you know I, my character more than a year into the campaign, and we already knew there was about at that point. Two months left until the campaign wrapped up. My character died. Oh, and it was God. it was tough, and it was just like we all kind of like sat there in silence for a bit. And you know, it's but that's the game, right? Right. Um, and what did you guys? Did you have to do up a new character, or like what did uh, your DM do? So he, you know, first off, right, like top tier game master texted me. I can't remember if it was a text or like a whisper chat on roll twenty. He's like, "Hey, are you okay?" Right. Just like understanding that this is like you said, this is a character you get attached to, right? Um, and he asked me, he's like, Do do you want to come back? And he knows I, I'm a rules lawyer uh, to a degree, and the other people like to, you know, be a little more loose with the rules, which is a good dynamic for us, right? Someone yeah. says keep us in line, the other people are like, No, you're being too uptight, Nate, right? Relax yeah, a thousand percent. And he was like, you know, I can you wouldn't make it to get where you could be revived in time as the spell allows. But if you want to come back, I'll make it happen. And I was like, I, I think this is a fitting end for the character. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a backup character, you know, just in case, never thought I'd have to use it. Um, but I, I had that sort of flushed out. And then uh, by the next week, I had run it by the DM and we tweaked it a little bit and plunked him in. Wow. Damn, I haven't had to deal with a lot. We've been very close to the point where, like, I was like, if if Ragnar dies, I need to walk away. Because <laughs> we were a year and a half. Like, we went through yeah. two adventures. I know we went through uh, Lost Minds of Foundalver. Mm-hmm. Then we did uh, the middle one. And then Tyranny of Dragons was the last one. And I knew it was at Tyranny of Dragons. And I knew if I was at the end and my character died, I was going to need... 
I was going to need a hot minute. And yeah. I'm not ashamed to admit that because I grew attached to this thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's just a little paladin. I just grew super attached yeah. to him. I just, uh, I also just like, was your first character more like modeled around you? Like your, uh, like, uh, objectives, goals, personality. Um, I, I did a gross caricature of myself. Uh, I did too. Yeah, that was the same it, with me. Yeah. It was just like, all right, I'm gonna pick like one or two quirks or things about me, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna exaggerate those and just see where the rest of the character falls into place. Yeah. Um, and just you know, that's kind of what I like to do with when I make a character is insert some part of my personality, um, right? Whether that's wants, hopes, fears, um, you know, things that I really like about myself or things that I don't so much and I'm working on um, right. and then put those into the character and inflate them yeah. um, and just kind of play around with that a bit. Yeah. Um, like we did when I made uh Ragnar, it was like, I didn't know what to expect because it was the first time we were playing and I wanted to just like dip my toes in kind of make it a little bit easier for me to do role playing and step into that world. So like first campaign, I built him as like, what if I was a, a just a paladin of mm -hmm. the God of light? What would mm -hmm. that look like? What would I want to do in these situations? And then Strahd, I'm set, like the difference is like with Tyranny of Dragons, it was what would Corey do? Not like what would mm -hmm. the character do? Yeah. And Strahd, I'm more like what would Tyler do in this position? Who is the who is uh, the name of my character? I'm, so it's like I'm more removed from Tyler okay. and Tyler's got his own kind of personality, but I would say there's some correlations between our two personalities. I just, uh, it's interesting, man. It's dandy is such a fun game and it's cool that you can force yourself outside mm. of that box. You know, yeah. I mean, I, so the character I just had, uh, fire Genasi wizard, Ignis crucible. And <laughs> I love that name. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I had this idea and I was like, wow, there's like, I, I tried to be very attached and kind of like how I see myself a bit. Um, and the, man, the more we got into the campaign, the more I realized that that perception of myself was incorrect. Like mm -hmm. I would play his character and be like, this is how the character plays. Cause this is how I've some choices I've made, but that's not how Nate would act yeah um and i started off thinking that it was going to feel very much like you said you know um your your middle character was where it was like what would Corey do right yeah. i thought it was going to be the same and as i went on it just got further and further apart and that was pretty cool to see oh i kind of assumed this about myself but that's not that's not how i actually view the world and that's not how i actually think right um, and that was a, a kind of a fun thought experiment and, yeah uh, like sad to see him go but also okay with letting that right that idea of how i used to view myself letting go of that yeah and it's, it's a tough thing to battle and especially it's crazy that we're talking about a game yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> which yeah. is like for the longest time has uh been deemed that it was a satanic ritual and yeah. has got a bad rap you know yeah. but now is more of the most widely i don't think it's ever been more popular than it is right now I, I don't think it has either it's you know with with covid lockdown it there's a ton of websites that were in their infant stages for virtual tabletops and then you know or just things like discord and, yeah. and zoom and people 
used it as a way to connect and um, used it as a way to like in a very uncertain time mm -hmm. uh, find themselves in a situation where there there was a clear objective right um, right which is you know a, a cool thing about the game is that it can be what you want if you're in a spot in your life where I don't know, maybe you want to play in a sandbox environment because other parts of your life feel like there's a lot of control on them or mm -hmm. you know your your job or your, your personal life has a lot of structure to it you can have that and kind of let loose and be more relaxed but if you feel like your life is in chaos well maybe you want a railroaded adventure because mm -hmm. you show up and you're like i know what i'm going to be doing and someone's going to tell me where to go yeah and sometimes you you need that and sometimes you don't and the, right. the game lets you flux in and out of that as as your life needs right yeah well said and that's like that's the that's a cool thing is like there's so many different ways that you could play this game mm -hmm. and uh there's not a wrong way right the only wrong way is that you don't have fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> right that's the only thing 13 is a brand founded for the creators, the innovators, and the motivators. For the people who get up every single day and strive to be better and leave a positive mark on this world. 13 is a fantastic clothing company and the people that are behind it are passionate, creative, and some of the nicest people I have ever met. All of their stuff looks great, it's comfy, all the designs are so, so super cool. 13 has some of my favorite t-shirts and seriously, my favorite pair of sweatpants I have ever worn. 13 has been a longtime sponsor and supporter of the Corey cast, and they wanted to extend their love to you, the listener. So when you check out their website at thur 13 en.com fill your cart with some cool hats hoodies sweatpants just make sure you use the code word CoreyCast at checkout and you're going to save yourself a little bit of money thur13en.com make sure you tell them Corey sent you what is uh what would be a piece of advice you would give to somebody just getting into D&D &D? Mm, um <laughs> go to whatever Go to D&D Beyond or whatever website you want to use for making a character. And I kid you not, hit create random character and just start playing. Mm -hmm. Because there are so many rules. I mean, there's like half the player's handbook is about creating a character. Yep. And it is overwhelming. It really is. And you either just hit create random character and just go with it. And then yeah, change it if you like. Or ask someone who knows you, hey, help me make a character, right? Maybe you want to play a tank. Maybe you want to play... Uh, a glass cannon type character and let them kind of tell tell them what you want to do and let them deal with the mechanics part of it um because when i when i first first campaign i played in uh the dm and the other two players they both played before for a bit and they're like yeah don't worry about rules tell us what you're trying to do mm. and we'll tell you mechanically how to get there so right. you know just don't be bogged down by the rules yeah they're there and there's a lot of them but they're really not that important because yeah. what's important is the people you surround yourself with when you play. Yeah, that, that exactly. And that like literally there is an entire chapter written about ship and battle and underwater mm -hmm. battles and you, your adventure can never go there and you don't ever have to touch that chapter. Yep. So just get into it yeah. and let go, let yep. go of the, especially if you're, it's, it's harder when, you play with strangers, right? Mm -hmm. Like when we played together, we were playing with 
like you were jumping in, you didn't know those other people. I had, right. I had touch points of, uh, from Taikai with mm-hmm. those people. And I loved and appreciated how like you jumped in, you let go of that fear of judgment that other people were like, uh, wow, he's, his character is crazy or wild. Like let go of that sense of judgment. Just realize, mm-hmm. Hey man, you're playing a game and we're all yeah. just there to have a good time. And if yeah. you want to be silly, just be silly. Yep. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> and, you know, it, that, that's it. At the end of the day, it is just a game. Um, yeah. But also, right. I want to, I got to say, Corey, right. I felt comfortable doing that because you were at the table. Right? right. So I didn't know the other people at all. I said hi to them. And one of them walked in late and I said, hi, I'm Nate. And they told me their name and we started playing. Yeah. Um, but, I knew one person at the table that made me feel comfortable being there. Right. And that's, you know, it's just a game, but it's also a way to connect with people. And it's a really important part of the game is making a community and making people feel welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's talked about, that's even talked about in the rules. Like there's, there's sections in there about, Hey, as a dungeon master, you have responsibilities to make sure the people at your table are comfortable with the type of story you're telling. Um, yeah. Whether that's, you know, the amount of uh, violence, language, or other other types of content in there, um, and then as a player, you have a responsibility to you know just not be a jerk, right? Yeah, it's, it's how have you like how do you control that space when you're DMing mm-hmm. with other people? Like you're you have a, a set group of people, but if it was a bunch of strangers or maybe you're running a campaign for the first time yeah. with friends you haven't ran before, how do you control that? Yeah, so they. Uh, they call it session zero, right? And it's just before you start playing, it's some some groundwork, right? Some of it's rules, some of it's just frame of like, hey, this is the this is the type of story um, I'm looking to tell as a, a game master, you know, a, you know, gothic horror like Strahd or something something silly um, or a murder mystery, right? Just, but then there's also right, these are things that you know I'm not comfortable with or topics I'm not comfortable with or or just off limits at at the table um does anyone else have anything that they're not comfortable with because you don't know people's past experiences um you can make assumptions about it but you don't actually know unless you ask so just telling people all right like what are if do you have something that you're uncomfortable with talking about um some some tables might feel very comfortable talking about um you know parodying modern politics or um, talking about race, other tables aren't, and yeah. you you need to make sure you're having those conversations before you start playing, rather than in the middle of it, where you find yourself in a spot where someone might not feel comfortable saying that right. they're uncomfortable. Right, and it's like a weird, like it creates like a weird tension. Yeah, yeah. There, um, I think uh, I heard on a podcast it was it might have been with I don't know why I want to think it's Erica Ishii, but she mentioned the card rule, like you heard like a heads yeah. up heads down card mm-hmm. i don't know if i used it with your table or if i, I use it i don't think we use that but i've heard of that and it's right the general premise is like if something makes you like if you start getting into a topic and you're okay with it right there's like a green card or if you're not yeah. okay with it red card type thing just a quick visual for other people at the table to be like all right we can lean into this topic or we're gonna divert our attention elsewhere yeah it's like uh you go to texas day brazil you have keep feeding me and then you yep. flip it over and you say no thank you yes <laughs> <Yeah>. no obrigado <laughs> <laughs> that, that has been a great thing i think i used that at retro game con when we were running a yeah. couple tables yeah i used that because that was a situation where i had zero connections like mm-hmm. i didn't know who was going to be at the table i don't know what their yeah. past experiences was 
as opposed to like Retro or uh, to three lives. Like I know Nate, I know the other people that were playing with me. I think we had one person that was that one person that came in late. I think that was uh, the guy that was like a last minute joiner, and we didn't really know too much about him. Yeah, I should have used in that case because he was I I didn't really know him, but in more cases than not, that session zero I, is honestly like one of the more important sessions. I think. Like yeah. before you start, it's a lot of talking and setting up characters and setting up the scene, but also it's like setting the tone for the adventure. Yeah. Yep. Like you want, you want to tell the story that everyone's trying to tell. Right. Right. And, not and that helps it. you create your characters. Like if you're going to dive into creating characters, like if we're in session zero and you're telling me you want to, you're running a nowhere uh, mystery kind of adventure mm -hmm. then i want to kind of play a character that i can lean in to that right. setting you know yeah. um what is there a class that you wish was in the game hmm. there you know what there isn't there isn't a class but there is a mechanic and you're going to appreciate this as a fellow okay. paladin in world of warcraft there's no real mechanics for aggro right so yeah. like frontline fighter who can pull the attention then there's some workarounds there's some rules but there's nothing that specifically is like oh your class a huge feature of it is drawing the attention of others and you know that's one of those things where like right i've said the rules are like the pirates code they're kind of guidelines right if your dm knows what you're going for with your character build because you talked about it at a session zero or privately then they'll play into that a little bit. Oh, this guy wants to draw that attention and I'll build encounters where the enemies do that to give to give that player satisfaction um, or don't give it to and suddenly yank it away to make them think. Um, so no no specific class, but I do wish there was a little bit more mechanic for, for Agro. Yeah. yeah, me too. It's funny you said that. I always, when I was playing Paladin too, I wish there was, I think there was a, there was a mechanic where like, you could deflect the damage, uh, like a shield breaker. I felt like I took that feat, okay. like that you could, like if they were getting attacked, you had to be touching them, and you had to, you like added a plus one to their AC mm. or something. Yeah. But I, there was nothing to force their attention all on you. Mm -hmm. And that was like a big part of why I was like, if you're a tank, you need to collect the aggro. But I, I, again, it's it's not a video game. Yeah. You know. Exactly. That's the part. Yeah. Um. Hey, I want to. I got a question for you, Corey. Yeah. So you've known Mike and Dennis for a long time, right? Yeah. What have you? What do you think you've learned anything about them through D and D that you might not have learned otherwise, or would have taken you longer to learn about them? That's a good question, uh, Mike. No, because I've known Mike since. <laughs> oh my God, ninth grade, and we've we've been like mm -hmm. like brothers. Yeah. So like, I knew he would be like numbers and very crunchy with the characters yeah uh dennis i was very shocked at how good he is at sucking me in with his storytelling mm. i mean I mean, he's got a lot of reps being a teacher and that's still doing a presentation yeah. you know yeah. so it, it makes sense when when you think about it mm. uh all right dude here's here's the last question what okay. is oh actually no let's do two questions yeah. what would you tell someone who's looking to start D and D, but can't find a group. Hmm. Uh, so there's, there's a couple options you've got um, on roll20.net, uh, dot, dot which is a website Corey and I both talked about. 
there is a find group option. Um, some of that is actual campaigns, you know, free to play or uh, there are pay to play ones if that's more your speed. Um, I'm a free to play kind of guy, but yep. uh, there's also, you know, one shots. And um, I haven't done one myself, but there's been there's been times where I was like, hey, do I have time tonight? Does the timing work? And you can select whatever system you're looking for, um, you know, whether it's D&D or something else like Pathfinder and just kind of jump in with strangers if you're willing to take that plunge. And that's part yeah. of the reason I have in this because that's it's scary. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you never know what you're going to get. And then the other thing on uh, Facebook, it started in June-ish of 2020, a uh, D&D group finder Facebook group that's got like, know 15,000 members in it or something and people were okay. post like hey you know I'm running a game I'm looking for these many people this many people and sometimes it's I play virtually and this is the platform we use you know here's the world DM me if you're interested and we'll do a video call to like see if you're a good fit for the group and other times it's I live in this area are there any groups looking to add a player in this city nice um, and so those are those are two pretty pretty uh, straightforward options um, the third option that I'm a huge fan of, if you want to start playing, is grab your buddy, just anyone, your best friend, someone yep. you talk to, a coworker, whatever, and just say, hey, I kind of want to try D&D. Do you want to try it with me? Yeah. And may maybe they'll surprise you and say, I've played before or I already play. And maybe they'll say no, but maybe they'll say, yes, let's let's learn this together. Yeah. That's that. Just pick up a book like an adventure and just like and get pre-generated character sheets and just play like figure it out together like don't overthink it just jump in and grab people that you're friends with that you'd be comfortable playing with yeah. have you uh i'm sorry there will be one more question for the last question <laughs> have you ever played just two people like dm and one other person i have actually have yeah. you what I, were your uh, thoughts on it you know it's it didn't last very long. So my, I tried to get my wife into it and nice. she, she gave it the college try. It was like, Nate really likes this. I'm going to actually try it. And it wasn't for her, which is fine. Cause it's not for everyone. Yeah. Um, it was a little, it was a little weird. Um, just mechanically speaking, cause I'd never done it before. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I was kind of play testing combat encounters for the campaign I was running at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah, guess yeah. I had a hidden agenda. Um, yeah. But, you know, I if if you are in a two-person house or you have, you know, one friend who wants to play that lives really close by, there's a lot of rules for playing just like that in um, Ice Fire Peak, which is uh, one of the uh, – it's in the Essentials kit box. Um, so there's oh, like th I think that's what we played was Ice Fire Peak. Okay, yeah, there's rules for like sidekicks in there. So like, hey, mm -hmm. you might be one player, and maybe right, maybe you're a wizard, and you need some muscle, or you need a thief. There's rules for like hiring people to help you, and very simple stat blocks that either the DM can run, or as the single player, you can run a very simple character sheet just to complement your own character. Yeah, that's that's great. I would uh one year for my birthday mike ran a one shot for one of my favorite characters which is the drunken master monk ewan okay. which we played on a on a one shot yeah. so we literally did like a, a prequel of like one of his first adventures nice. and i was 
like it was so much fun i honestly got into it and like when he first was like hey i'll run a one shot for you just for your birthday you and i and i was like i don't know at D just like two of us i don't know man that seems it could be a little weird i guess but yeah. i went into it with an open mind and i'm glad i did because that was a, one of the most fun i've had it was such an like intimate game like it was mm-hmm. like really I was in the driver's seat. I could have done whatever I want. I, I didn't have yeah. to like bounce ideas off of other people, which made it really fun. Mm-hmm. Really fun for me. Yeah. You just can just steamroll ahead with the decision. Go, I don't know if this is a good one or a bad yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now for my last question, yeah. uh, what is your favorite thing about D and D? That's all right. So that's a broad question. I need some clarifying info, right? Do you mean like <laughs> about playing the game, about the experience of the game or what? Because you can say, what's your favorite thing about the game? And I can answer very boringly and say, you know, is it combat or is it role playing? Um, but I think you're, I think you're fishing for a little bit more there. Yeah. Heck yeah, dude. Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I've said it uh, before or alluded to it. I really, enjoy telling a story with friends that I can um, I can explore my own my I can explore myself through the game um, which is which is I really like so I mentioned my former character Ignis you know rip he uh, rip <laughs> he uh, yeah you know, I tried to make him very similar to myself or how I, I thought my brain worked and how I thought through things. And it fell apart. And I was like, that's not how I think that's not my worldview. And then for the next character, I, I actually am playing that character's dad. Um, nice. And, you know, something I'm exploring in myself is, right, like, I have kids. And, you know, I, I picked a barbarian for a reason, right? Because I would be filled with rage if something happened yeah. to them. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, that's not a that's not a comfortable thing to think about right like as a dad yourself that's not what you want to think about um but you know it lets you explore a whole nother character it it forces you out of your comfort zone yeah yeah and uh you know how would not saying i would actually deal with it this way but like how how would i deal with it and sitting with those uncomfortable uncomfortable thoughts yeah um Maybe that's a weird answer, but I really like that about the game because you can sit with those uncomfortable thoughts and you can take action in a character, right? Like a no consequence setting. Right. Uh, and you can just walk away. Like if it's you too much, you can just walk away. Like, hey, I, I actually don't want to deal with that anymore. Or maybe that's what your character does, right? Maybe you want to explore what if I just pull into myself? What if my character withdraws from the world? Or what if they run in full bore recklessly? Um, you know, and that's kind of what I'm what I'm exploring with with my current character. I've only got a couple sessions with him, but that's cool. Only a couple left, but I like I like sitting with the uncomfortable ideas of yeah. uh, who we are as people. Yeah, I love that, dude. Well, this is great. Thanks for doing this. I gotta throw that right back at you because oh, okay, yeah. What is what is your favorite part about? And I'll broaden it a little bit about about tabletop role playing games. Um. For me, I think it's what always drew me into video games. Video games for me is a is a fun form of escapism, mm-hmm. right? It's like you have a stressful day. You can just kind of unwind, unplug, mm-hmm. and play in another universe. 
video games has always been bonus points if I got to play with my friends mm -hmm. because then it's shared. Like we're sharing this experience and I've always enjoyed that aspect when it came to video games. Mm -hmm. So shifting from a virtual video game space to now at the table, mm -hmm. playing and spending time with my friends. I, I love the, the fact that I'm, I'm very fortunate where I get to spend, you know, a couple hours every week with two of my closest friends and we are just building a story together and there's no judgment. We just, it's like you said in the beginning, like the first half hours is us talking about what happened in the week. What are we, what's going on? How are yeah. you guys doing? Like just yep. catching up. Um, and I just get to spend time with people that I like legitimately care about. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's it just so much fun. And the storytelling aspect is something that I did not think I would ever enjoy. Like I did not think that part because when I was playing, wow, I didn't care about the lore escape, skip dialogue, next, <laughs> click, please, next. But here mm -hmm. I find myself invested and uh, just really being able to enjoy like quality time with my friends and dip into a universe that um, just you would not be able to get to, to do anymore. And it's like, it's it's like taking you back to when you're a kid, like playing with your imagination. You know, you don't yeah. get to flex that muscle very much as an adult. Right. Yeah. And that's a you know that's a another thing that I like. You know, I my my three year old she'll you know we'll be talking whatever and she wants to play play pretend and you know like I told her the other day and I didn't even like consciously say it. It just kind of came out. I was like, you know, she made a comment about playing pretend with one of her friends. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, like I play pretend with my friends too. And I yeah. thought about it, I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm playing 100%. pretend yeah. with my friends. And like, doesn't get much better than that. I know, I know. And that's, and I think, uh, I think especially now that like stigma's gone, no one cares what you do. If you <laughs> like to play D&D, if you like to uh, collect coins, if you like to knit, like nobody cares yeah. what you do. Just like enjoy the time that you spent doing yeah. it. And then at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? Yep. God. Nate, I could talk to you about D&D all day. I could keep going, too. <laughs> but, Dude, it was so much fun playing with you, and I yeah, want to play with you again very soon. For sure. For yeah, sure. Got that'd a, be a lot like, of fun. Whether I'm a player at your table or we're players together, or if you want me to run something for you, Mike and Dennis, just let me know. Oh, snap. Okay. Oh, word, baby. Word. I have some ideas okay. for something. Uh, when it's my turn to DM and I'll bounce some ideas off uh, after we hit end podcast. Okay. So Nate, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. All thank right, you, absolutely. sir. Thank you so much for having me.